Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. It is so good to be with you. My name is John. I'm one of our pastors here. If I had a chance to, uh, to meet you yet, uh, would love to do that. Would love to connect you. We need Jesus this morning. Amen? We need the hope uh, of the resurrection. We need Jesus Christ. And so if you're here for uh, the coffee, it's okay. Uh, but if you're here for Jesus, he's in the house. Amen? Uh, if you're here for anything else... Uh, We are not a perfect church, but we're finding our way and we're learning how to love each other and we're pointing people to Jesus Christ. And uh, we love it that you are here, whether you're worshiping with us online or in the room uh, this morning. It's good to be together as God's family. I just want to remind you this morning, I just want to say this, you're an incredible church. You are an absolutely incredible church. I wrote about this in our weekly pastor's update that we send out every Friday. If you don't get that, make sure you sign up for the list. Uh, Send us an email. Give us a call. We'd love to get you on that list. Pastor Hurst and I write a a letter, uh, kind of just what's going on in the church, what's on our heart, what's on our mind. Every single Friday, it usually comes out late Friday morning. And uh, I just was going on and on this week about you. And how incredible of a church you are and how incredibly servant-hearted you are. We did a ministry fair last Sunday uh, and just dozens and dozens and dozens of you signed up and said, that's me. Like, here I am, Lord, send me out. I want to do that. I want to get involved. I want to be a part of what you're doing uh, in this church. And uh, we're just excited. Over 70 volunteers signed up brand new last weekend. Praise God. We're excited about that. Over, uh, over 21 different ministries uh, just got a huge boost in what God is doing uh, in this church. But it's not, it's not just the things that would be headline news. We, we want you to know that we see it when you love each other deeply, when you love each other well, when you comfort those that are mourning, when you take the time to stop back and pray with our prayer partners after the service. That's what it means to be a healthy church is when we love each other well in the good times and the bad times. We rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. We need the church. We need each other. We need each other. We need the family of God more than ever. And so we're so glad that you're here. And I just want to tell you how incredibly grateful uh, that we are for you. We love you so much. And it is good to be the church. And if this is your first time here, we love you too. And I'm sure that you'll fit right in uh, with all of these incredible people. We want to welcome you uh, here this morning. It's an, it's an exciting time of year. Uh, it's back to school time. And uh, our kids went back to school this week for the first time uh, in a long time. They are going to the same school. And uh, our daughter, Everly, is going to kindergarten. Our son, Caleb, is going into third grade. They walked in as cute as cute could be, holding hands into school uh, last week. Wednesday morning, and they're excited. They're pumped for that. I remember when I was growing up, I uh, wasn't so excited about school, especially in junior high and high school. Did anybody dread going back to school when you were in high school? Anybody? 
I'm the only one. Okay, maybe a few of the rest of you are just scholars, I guess. Okay, that's great. Well, literally, uh, I grew up in Story City, and so everything is within three blocks of each other. And so uh, you can go to the, the swimming pool or the golf course or the school. When I was in ninth grade, it, it's hard to get out of school, uh, to get out of bed when you're in ninth grade. And we literally lived three blocks from the school. And so I had to be in my seat at 8.30. Guess what time I got out of bed in the morning? 8.17, Okay. Zero minutes for a shower, granola bar on the way out, just threw on some clothes, didn't care what my hair looked like. I'm in ninth grade. It doesn't matter. And I literally ran through people's backyards over, uh, across the street, up the stairs into school. I literally, I think I ran uh, into the classroom, but I didn't want to look like I was running really late. So I sort of sashayed to my chair a little bit and I just plopped down and I thought I was always could time it really, really nicely right as the bell rang. And there I was, because I didn't want to have to be in school one more minute than I needed to be. Anybody else? there with me, just couldn't wait to get out of school. Yeah, that was, that was me. But my question for you this morning is, what if there was a school that you couldn't wait to go to? Whether you're, you're going back to school as, as, an, as an adult or as a youth this year, what if there was a school that you couldn't wait to be a part of? And what if that school was something that you would show up for every day with great passion and excitement and enthusiasm? Well, that school exists and it's called your life. And your instructor is a rabbi from Nazareth, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? There is a school that Jesus is inviting you into. In Jesus' day, there would be rabbis like Jesus. And Jesus wasn't that well-known because, well, as the scriptures say, what good can come from Nazareth? And so people were a little skeptical of this this Jesus character. But in Jesus' day, rabbis would invite young men in those days. It was a patriarchal society, but in these days, young men and young women to follow them. It was a privilege to get asked. Normally, the students would have to ask the rabbi, but in Jesus' day, it was a big deal if a rabbi asked to follow you. And there's a word called methetes. Everybody say methetes. Methetes is what they would call these disciples. And literally in the Greek, methetes means learner or student. So you may not know this, but you are going back to school this fall as well. And so a disciple of a rabbi, in this case, the disciples of Jesus, meaning all of us, would follow the rabbi wherever they went. It wasn't like, well, I go to school from 9 to 2 or 9 to 3. I literally built my entire life and would reorient my life around my rabbi. I would be his methetes and he would be my rabbi and I would follow around and learn every aspect of life from him. And this word methetes, just so you know, is not some obscure thing I'm bringing up this morning. It is literally mentioned 268 times in the New Testament. Do you want to know how many times the word Christian is used in the New Testament? Three. Number of times the word stuffy religious person is used in the New Testament. Zero, okay? So this methetes is a big deal. Jesus is trying to get our attention. And whatever uh, church background you grew up in or whatever Christianity means to you, Following Jesus is about being a learner or student, a full-time disciple of Jesus. The call for every single one of us is to go back to school with Jesus this fall. Not just for the kids, but for every single one of us. In fact, Jesus talks about this in our scripture reading that Shantice just read for us this morning. Let's read this nice and loud together. Jesus says this as he's walking along the shore. Let's read it together. Come follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now, we don't know exactly all that was said. We don't get all the details always in the the gospel accounts. We don't know exactly how it went. But chances are, if you're like any of these guys, if you see a rabbi approaching you and you're a, well, you're a 
dirty, stinky, kind of nobody fisherman. It's a blue-collar job, and you're just doing your thing, and all of a sudden, a rabbi shows up to you, and you haven't jumped through any of the educational hoops of the, the Jewish educational system at the time, and a rabbi named Jesus says, I want you. How would you respond? I just have a feeling that maybe not all the disciples were like, sign me up right away. Maybe they were a little skeptical. Let's take a look at what it might have been like when Jesus shows up to Peter's boat that day. Let's take a look. world. So lesson number one that we learned from this story, if you're going to enter a fishing competition, make sure Jesus is in your boat. You want him with you. Secondly, if you're Peter, what do you do when the God of the universe climbs into your boat? Now you might think, oh, Jesus, you don't even do anything you want. You have to go to the context, historical context for the day. If you're a fisherman, fishing is not a nine to five job. He had been out there all night and many nights, many sleepless nights, 24-7 jobs sometimes. Your boat is your life. It's everything. And so when this random rabbi from Nazareth climbs into your boat, he's entering into your life. Oh, this just got personal. Jesus is getting up close and personal with you. He's tapping you on the shoulder this morning, and he wants to climb into your boat. It's a very real, it's a very personal thing. Now, I don't know when you think about, when you think about boats, but uh, there's different names for different boats. There are famous names for different uh, boats. Of course, Gilligan, uh, Gilligan's Island and, and all of that had the, the minnow, right? Forrest Gump had... Jenny, right? And Jenny, one, two, three, four, all the way up, right? What do you, what do you think Peter's boat was called? If you, if you could describe the, the life circumstance and the situation of Peter, what would his boat be called? I, I think it gets personal. He gets right up into Peter's pride. I think Peter's boat is called pride. I don't, I don't need you, Jesus. What, what are you here for? I, I, I don't need your help. And I wonder, what's your boat called? If Jesus says to you this morning, right here, on August 29th, 2021, come follow me. What type of a boat is Jesus entering into? For some of you, it is the boat of pride. If you're Peter and Jesus says, lend me a hand, I'm coming in your boat, I'm giving you a chance to change your life, just give me some time, do you have time for him? Or is your boat so filled with pride? Jesus, I'm good. <laughs> life is pretty good. I, I like coming to church and everything. I, I like you to be my savior, but I don't want you to be my Lord. I don't want you telling me how to call the shots or be the director of my life. I got that. I'm fine. I'm doing just fine. Well, as Peter learned, he's not doing just fine. So maybe your boat is filled with pride. Maybe your boat is more of a speedboat. Kind of get a kick out of this one. Not that kind of speedboat, but the pace at which you're living your life, even if you wanted to welcome Jesus into your boat, there isn't time. There isn't room. I can't, I can't tell you how many people that I say, oh, so you really want to plug in and get connected with community and follow Jesus? And the response I get, oh, it's just not the right time. It's just not the right season for me. And then I talk to him six months later, a year later, or seven years later. It's still not the right time. And my challenge for you, if you struggle with that like I do, when is going to be the right time to welcome Jesus into your boat? When is going to be the right time? Because we can run around and be busy with all sorts of different things, and Jesus is still there saying, come follow me. Are, are you coming? Are you, are you coming my way? I, I got too many things. I got to get the kids shuttled around. We got a full fall busy schedule and the whole thing with COVID. I, I can't do that. I don't think that following Jesus is predicated on a worldwide pandemic. Jesus is closer to you than you will ever know. And you can follow Jesus right now, here, today. Jesus is not 
taken back by that. God has the whole world in his hands, and he can have you in his hands this morning as well. Or is your boat full of speed? To be honest, for some of you, it's not pride, it's not speed. Your boat's full of apathy this morning. If you're honest, you're saying, I just don't care that much. There's some really crazy Christians that like go all in with this thing and it's like a seven day a week, 24 hour thing to follow Jesus and they join groups and they serve and they invite their neighbors to worship and they, they share their faith and they pray for other people and they pray for healing for all these really outlandish, strange Christians. I'm just a normal Christian. Let me be honest with you this morning. From the second that Jesus chose those disciples to when he ascended to heaven and the book of Acts continued, they There is no such thing as a normal Christian. There have been people that are set on fire with the love of Jesus Christ, and they can't keep it to themselves. There is no other type of Christian. Amen? That's the story that you're being invited into this morning. Jesus is saying, come, follow me. That's what he's looking for. So what would your boat be called this morning? Jesus comes to you today just like he did Peter, and all of your walls and all of your excuses and all of your defenses And the call has not changed for 2,000 years. Come follow me. Whatever state your life is in, whatever condition your soul is in, whatever emotional state that you might be in this morning, come follow me. I'm, I'm, I'm here to change your world, Jesus says. Come follow me. You are made for more, for a whole new life. That's the beginning of the Gospels. The end of the Gospels, we flash forward to Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, and the call is the same, to be and make disciples. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there as well. We're one of those weird churches that opens up our Bibles during the sermon, okay? So you got that. If it's on your phone, that's fine. If you're going to tweet, tweet about the sermon. So Matthew chapter 28 Verses 18 through 20 is the end of the Gospels. Jesus is ascending to heaven. What does he say? Do the exact same thing that I've modeled for you the last three years. I made disciples out of you. Now you go and make disciples. And Jesus is inviting us into a whole new way of life. When we start to follow Jesus, when we're baptized, as it says, Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You've seen us do that up here hundreds of times with babies, with youth, with adults. A couple weeks ago, I dunked some people in the river. It might have been the Jordan River, for all I know, but it felt really biblical when I was there. A little gross, but it was fine. It was awesome. And we baptized five people at the Raccoon River. But when we do that, I say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what, what I want you to know is that's not some magic formula. That if we don't say it exactly right, or the water's not the right way, or we don't dunk them the right way, or sprinkle it the right way, what matters is God's promise. That what they're, what they're doing is they're being immersed. That word baptize in the Greek is baptizo, and it literally means immersed. It's kind of fun to say. Everybody say baptizo. baptizo. Say it. Oh, I guess it kind of sounds Italian. Everybody say baptizo. baptizo. Like something you sprinkle on your spaghetti. I don't know, but... Sounds like that. But baptizo literally means to immerse. And so we're not just saying this ritualistic tradition or formula. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hocus pocus, okay? Jesus is literally explaining to us a fundamental shift that's happening in our identity. When you follow Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you welcome him into your boat, when you are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are baptized into a brand new identity that is not based in your goodness and how good you are this morning. It's based in who Jesus is. Our world, if you look at this chart, our world starts here. It says what we do determines who we are. 
how, how good of an employee I am, how good of a spouse I am, how good of a, uh, a parent I am, how good of a uh, what, whatever person, Christian I am, what we do determines who I am. I'm a pretty good person. I'm not such a good Christian, whatever it is. And then we get to God. The gospel flips that upside down, and we start with who God is. God is three in one. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And long before you or I arrived on the scene, God had set the stage for you to be adopted into his family. Fathers adopt us. That's what God has done. Jesus, the Son, has chosen us. You did not choose me, but I, but I chose you, right? It's not about you. He chose us. We're his disciples. He adopted us so we're family. He chose us so we're disciples. And then finally, in the name of the Holy Spirit, sends us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so we are servants and missionaries in the name of Jesus. That is our identity. So when you're baptized, Jesus is saying, I am giving you a whole new life. Just as he said to Peter that day along the Sea of Galilee. It's the same call. Are you coming? Are you coming? Are you ready for me, Jesus, to change your life? And then we get to what we do. So often people join churches and they say, what do I need to do to be a member of this church? What do I need to do to be a good Christian? I'm way more interested in sitting down with you and looking you in the eyes and say, who do you believe you are? Because who you believe you are will determine the kind of life that you live. If you start on this side of the chart and work your way this way, you are going to be a healthy, mature, effective member of a local church. If you start on this side, you're going to burn yourself out because you think it's all about you and everything that I need to do to earn God's love. Well, I got great news for you. You can't earn something that you already have. Amen? He already loves you, and he's calling you to follow him this morning. And so essentially, this fundamental change happens in our identity, and we live like it's true. If somebody were to view your life and your priorities and follow you around for a few weeks or a month, what would they say that you're passionate about? What would they say that you're living for? Would they say, oh, they're a part of this bigger family. They're, they're single. Maybe they don't have family in town. Maybe, maybe they do have a family, but it seems like they have this larger extended family that they connect with all, not just on Sundays, but all throughout the week. And they're, they're basing their life around the teachings of Jesus, not just for an hour a week, but they're living like that's true. And then nobody serves like them, and they're constantly trying to share the good news. Would somebody look at your life and say, oh yeah, they belong to a family of missionary disciples? Is that the definitive way that somebody would describe your life? And because of that, you've seen these words all the time here at Hope Elam as well. Every single time you walk in and every single time you walk out. What do you see on the two welcome centers? Connect, grow, serve. That's not just some tagline that we came up with. It's right out of the Gospels. What do you do if you're family? You connect with your family. It's the way we do community nights. What do you do if you're a disciple? You grow. Christianity is a growing experience. We never stop growing. And finally, servants and missionaries, we serve. That's who we are. So when we put out, hey, we need some more volunteers, it's not like, ah, I'll see. We're basically saying, be who you are. This is who you already are, and we're learning to live like it's true. And yet, as I've talked to people in the church over the last 13 years, there is a definitive theme that I see over and over again in people that are living like this. 
like a family of missionary disciples. We're living into our baptismal identity as Christians, as followers of Jesus. There's, there's a, a, definitely a theme to those that are truly growing and truly finding community. I hear it all the time from people. Pastor John, I really, really want to grow. I really, really feel like Jesus is calling me to get connected. I really, really want to find community, and yet not a lot of people are discovering that, and I think I know why, and it's right here in our passage today from Matthew chapter 4. If you think about it this way, I like shapes, I like diagrams, it's an easy way to understand this, but Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 offers two distinct calls or invitations to the disciples. The first one is this high invitation. He says, come follow me. You notice that? Jesus is say, here, sit on these rocks next to the shore, and we're going to have a seminary 101 class, and I'm going to teach you a bunch of theology, and then if you get it academically, then you can follow me, okay? He doesn't say that. Jesus says, come follow me. Walk with me. Learn my way of life. I'm inviting you into all aspects of my life. And that's why as pastors and leaders in this church, I am reminded every single day, my life better look the same way on Wednesday afternoon as it does at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. Because I follow a rabbi who's way, way bigger into substance than style. Who's way bigger into authenticity. I better be that. We better be those types of pastors for you and leaders for you. As we grow in our faith, that's what we want to be. We want to be people of high invitation that are saying, come, I'm inviting you into my life. But at the same time, Jesus didn't leave him there. He gave him a challenge, a mission worth living for. And he said, and I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. Like he said to Peter, we're going to go change the world. And so Jesus sets up, essentially you can view Jesus' call as in this quadrant right here, these four quadrants. All of you science and graph and math people are just eating this up right now. I know, I get it. High invitation and high challenge. And in the merger of a high invitation, high challenge type of relationship, transformation occurs. That's where transformative relationships happen. If you think about the most transformative relationships you've ever had in your life, a parent, a sibling, a coach, a teacher, a mentor, whoever those people are, chances are you've never been more loved and you've never been more challenged. So if you want to live into your identity and follow Jesus, this is the type of thing, this is the type of relationships where that happens. You could apply this anywhere. Businesses, corporations, schools, training development for businesses, and yes, here in the church. Who's that modeled after? The greatest servant leader of all time, Jesus Christ. High invitation and high challenge. But if there's that, then there's also low challenge and low invitation. I don't have any time for you. I, I don't want to invite you into my relationship. It's, 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 it's rigid and, or it's legalistic. Low challenges, it's just boring. <laughs> There's nothing really going on, and, and maybe you've been a part of a church like that before. Maybe that is your view of church. Oh, we just show up for an hour on Sunday morning, but there's no real, like, excitement to it. Well, Jesus is offering you a chance to change the world, to be a part of the greatest mission in the world. And so if you live in these other quadrants, a high invitation and low challenges, we love you and we accept you and anything goes and there's no real purpose or mission to whatever group you're a part of, that's going to be cozy or complacent. And it seems appealing for a time. Some of you have been a part of cultures like this, whether at work or school or marriage or a small group. It just doesn't work after a while and it goes away. People quit. If it's low challenge and low invitation, there's neither of that. It's irrelevant or boring. 
This is the one that gets us a lot of times in the church. Let's go change the world for Jesus. We need lots of volunteers. You should be really, really busy for Jesus, and yet you haven't put your roots down. You're not in relationship with God. You're not in relationship with other people. There's low invitation, but high challenge. We're just going to do all these things for Jesus. Some of you are in those types of jobs right now. Some of you are in those types of marriages where you feel like you constantly have to perform in order to earn somebody's love and approval. Jesus is saying, flip the script and live in the upper right-hand quadrant. That's where the transformation occurs. Being a follower of Jesus is living a life of high invitation and high challenge. Our invitation, our desire as a church is that we live here. We are people of high invitation, that when you welcome, if this is your first time here, that we're welcoming you in, that we love it that you're here. We're expecting new people. We pray for you every single week. When you show up at a small group or you show up at a ministry, we genuinely love it that you're here. We're going to treat you like family, like brothers and sisters. And we believe that Jesus doesn't want to leave you that way. That's why we pray almost every single week that you would be different when you walk out of those doors. Anybody can give a pep talk. Anybody can give you a warm and cozy message up here. That's not my goal. I want to point you to Jesus. And if you need to be convicted, be convicted. And if you need to be challenged, be challenged. But it's not going to be my words. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to do that. And the reason that we want that is that anybody that loves you, a parent, a coach, a teacher, a friend, a mentor, whoever that is, they want you to look more like Jesus than they want you to be comfy and and comfortable. They they want the very, very best for you. They don't want you to stay where you're at, and that's the invitation to be a part of this church. Jesus says to the disciples and to you and me this morning, I love you just as you are, but I refuse to leave you that way. And if you want to be a part of a church where you're never going to be challenged, I would encourage you to go somewhere else. There's a ton of great churches around this neighborhood. I really would. But they're probably going to challenge you too. And somebody's going to offend you. And somebody's going to get under your skin. And you're going to get hurt. Jesus invites you to learn how to be his methetes, his disciple. And I can honestly say in a very personal standpoint, this last year and a half, through the process of this merger of coming together as Hope Des Moines and Elam, (laughs) I have had so many of these types of relationships. And the reason I'm talking about this today is because I believe in it wholeheartedly because I would not be who I am without you. There are so many of you that have had to look up on this stage week after week and be like, well, I guess I have a new pastor now, a white boy from Story City. I guess, I guess he's one of my pastors. And some of you that are new, you're like, I got this pastor this week and this pastor this week and what's going on? This is all new for me. And yet you have loved me and you have welcomed me And you have accepted me. And you know what has been some of the most transformative relationships that I've had? Of when you've kicked my butt a little bit. Like in a good way. Like, Pastor John, can we help you with this? Can we help you see your blind spots? And I'm thankful for that. Um, Newsflash, I'm not black. Um, I'm not brown. I'm not from Detroit like Pastor Hurst. Um, I'm learning to listen, I'm learning to understand, and sometimes I just don't, and sometimes I miss it. But I am so thankful that so many of you that I've met over the last year during this merger have hung out in that quadrant with me and have loved me so well and have offered that challenge. Why? Because you love me and you love this church. Do I get offended sometimes? Yeah, we all do. Has this been the most challenging couple years of my life? Yes. Do I look more like Jesus because of it? Yes. Because of you. 
and because of those relationships. But I'm not the only one. Those of you that have been a part of this church and those of you that have taken that step of faith, and I'm going to get out of my boat like Peter did. I'm going to take a step of faith and follow you, Jesus. It's the same thing for you. You can say, this is hard. This is challenging. I'm in small groups with people that aren't like me. This is weird. This is different. I'm in worship. There's different types of worship. What is this guy doing up here on the stage? There's no words on the screen. What am I supposed to sing? This is all very, very challenging. It's high invitation and it's high challenge. And guess what? You are being changed. I am being changed. We are growing. We are maturing as a church. We are looking more like Jesus. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Just because it's different for you doesn't mean it's wrong. God might be showing you a different way to worship, a different way to pray, a different way to experience him. And those people that are stepping out in faith and stepping out of the boat are the ones that are seeing that life change and transformation. I just didn't want you to hear it from me. I wanted you to hear it from a couple uh, of my friends. And so I'm going to welcome up uh, Corey and Michelle uh, to join me up on the stage. Welcome them up, if you would, really quick. So this is my good friends, uh, Michelle Yoshimara-Smith and Corey Royster, and they are a couple awesome leaders uh, in a whole bunch of different areas uh, here at Hope Elam. But welcome, guys. Thanks for uh, being a part of this today. I'm just going to leave the stage, and you guys can preach now. I'll just let you know. Nah, just kidding. Uh, but I wanted you to hear it uh, from them. If you would, just really quick, uh, each of you take a turn. Just introduce yourself uh, and uh, just a little bit about you, and then maybe some of the things that you have been or are currently involved with in terms of serving or groups or teams here at Hope Elam. So Michelle, do you want to go first? Sure thing. Thank yeah. you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Michelle Yoshimura-Smith. I've been here with Hope Elam since we merged last fall. And currently, some of the things that I'm involved in are the worship team, um, being a part of, of the music group up here. Um, we have some smaller groups within that that meet for various uh, specific goals and reasons, but, but I'm pretty involved with that. Um, I've also been a part of a women's uh, small group um, over the past couple of years. And then I was also a part of the Be the Bridge. And that all-women's group that I was a part of continued to meet and read other um, books that are really challenging um, and really good uh, together. So I've been a part of a couple different women's groups as well. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Corey, go for it. Good morning, church. <laughs> I'm Corey Royster. Um, I've been a member here since we've merged. I've uh, been involved with uh, many different ministries, including the um, men's ministry, also uh, the Be Bridge uh, racial unity. Uh, I, my wife and I have led two classes of yeah. that. And, and similar to Michelle here, our groups continue to meet. Um, I've made some pretty amazing friends and, and, and have a, a tight circle uh, from that. So um, I'm yeah, also excited to uh, get back in the kitchen for a men's ministries breakfast. <laughs> That's right. Shameless plug. I heard it starts September the 11th. You can smell it. You can smell it. coming. That's right. That's right. awesome. Thanks, guys. So we've been talking a little bit about this morning about discipleship and how following Jesus isn't a, a once a week thing. And so uh, chances are there might be some people out there today that are like, that sounds great. I'm still a little bit on the fence about that. And maybe both of you were at a time in your life too, whether in the past or recently. What would you say to somebody that's kind of on the fence about getting involved in a group? Right? I've never taken a class before. I've never done anything beyond Sunday morning. What, there may be some fears or apprehension out there. What, what would you say has been life-changing about taking that step of faith, taking a class, leading a class, joining a group? What does that mean for you? Corey, do you want to start? Sure. Um, 
for me, I mean, as you mentioned it, right, this was my first time leading a, a, a prayer group or, or religious kind of focused uh, a group. I do it all the time at work, but it was, it was different. It was different. Right. It was a challenge. You know, it was, it was a nervousness. Um, all the ex- excuses that you used earlier in your service, <laughs> right? We're always too busy. Um, uh, my family and, yeah. and my daughters are always active, right? There, there's always something. And yeah. um, the challenge there was for me is that when I decided to, uh, to, to accept that inv- invitation yep. or the challenge, I should say, from right. uh, Pastor Hurst, yep. that um, God made a way for all of that to actually work out, right? And, and all of our groups, have we've been uh, extremely flexible where uh, we've been partnering up with other great uh, leaders uh, in the group mm-hmm. as well as uh, we've done it in person, online, so they're flexible, right? So, right. so it, it helps us. And um, that, that just helped us uh, accept that challenge and, 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 and meet that. So yep. um, I'd say that, if, yeah, if you're on the fence or thinking about it, um, if, you, if you commit to it, God will find a way and, yeah. and, and, and take care of all those other things that, that we think we are too busy for, right? And he'll make a way for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Corey. Michelle, what about you? What would you say? Yes, um, this may sound controversial, so stick with me here. <laughs> The least fulfilling and the least satisfying part of my journey with Christ and my relationship with my church is Sunday morning. Sorry. (laughs) I will say the most satisfying, fulfilling, life-giving time that I've spent here at the church and with the community of the church is in small groups and in those deep discussions, um, building those relationships. Here on Sunday morning is a beautiful celebration where we can all be together. It feels like a party every time that we're here. But you you can only build so deep of relationship in the five minutes before service. 20 seconds, we wave at each other, and five minutes after service talking. So if you're willing to invest a little bit of time in yourself and in your community to be a part of a group or to join a ministry, um, that will be very, very life-giving for you. I'm in the business world, so I'm sorry if I'm going to use some strange analogies here, but (laughs) I always think about the ROI or the turn on investment. So think about it this way. Most of our groups or most of volunteer opportunities here might be for an hour a week, or maybe even an hour a month, you have 168 hours in a week. What if you gave one hour, which is one half of a percent of your time, what if you gave one hour to a group and a community, and that made the other 99.5% of your life so much more satisfying and so much less stressful because you know you've got community and you've got support and you've got people who can speak truth into your life when you might not be seeing straight because you're working through all of the junk that happens in life. Yeah, that's powerful. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah, I think, you know, we've kind of described Sunday morning like a big old family reunion, right? We don't, we don't know everybody here. You probably don't know some of the people that are sitting around you, but it's in those smaller groups that we start to see high invitation, high challenge. We start to see those relationships forming, and they actually complement each other really well because then you see people on Sunday morning, you're like, I know you because you've been in my living room or we've been on Zoom together, you know, whatever it is. And it makes it that much more satisfying uh, as well. So my last question for both of you is, we kind of mentioned this earlier, but one of the things that we love about Hope Elam is the diversity, not just racial, cultural diversity, but also um, uh, generational diversity as well. And so uh, describe what it's been like. Both of you have been a part of some groups uh, in the past now where there are people that are very different than you uh, in, in a variety of backgrounds or even church background. Um, describe to me how transformational 
that has been, about kind of getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of the boat with Jesus, and maybe being in a group or taking a class with people that you don't have anything in common with or you're very different. What has that been like for you? Yeah. Um, so first off, when you see someone you think has nothing in common with you, I would challenge you because <laughs> I bet you have a lot more in common with them yeah. than you think. Um, for me, some of the things that I've learned about uh, myself is, and this is, I think, probably standard for a lot of humans, is that we like to put people in a box. We like to say, this is your age, so I'm going to make these assumptions about you. This is the color of your skin, so I'm going to make this assumption about your background. This is your gender, so I'm going to assume this about you. And as you, the, the way that we combat that is through relationships, is through yeah. getting to know people as individuals, as children of God. And that is so, so, so meaningful. And so as I've been in a part of groups, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I've learned is also that I can't put God in a box. He moves mm -hmm. through each one of us so differently. Um, and we might raise our hands this way, and we might raise our hands this way, <laughs> and we might not feel comfortable raising our hands in worship. And it doesn't mean that God's not moving in our lives. Right. And so I, I, that was a challenge that I had to kind of take on myself, and I would challenge all of you in the same way. Don't put God in a box, and don't put other people in a box. Yeah. And I've learned that through groups. So, uh, you know, I've learned empathy in that I cannot assume anything about someone's situation, why, why they're in that position, or what they can do to get out of it, because it's their life. What I can do is listen and love them and encourage them as the family of Christ, as yeah. the, the family of God. Um, yeah. And then I've also learned about perspective. Um, I think it's uh, really easy for us to look at it from our own perspective because that's, that's what we're in our own heads all day, right? So you look right. at it from your own perspective of maybe this is how they could fix it or maybe this is a, an approach we could take. But, um, you know, when you meet other people, you hear all their different perspectives, um, all their different ways of thinking, and it really opens up your mind to, again, the ways that God can move, the way that we see the world differently. Mm -hmm. um, and then with perspective, too, I like to look at it, not just perspective of how an individual is viewing it. I also look at it from God's perspective, if I can. Um, yeah. what I kind of think of a beautiful tapestry. A beautiful tapestry is made up of millions of little threads that are all an individual color. Hmm. And think of me, I might just be one thread, and I live my own life, and I'm kind of stuck right here in my little thread. When I have a community around me, I have all these different color threads that add this beauty and this dimension to my life. And I can be a part of adding some beauty and dimension to their life as well. Um, but then if we take a step even further back, a celebration on Sunday morning like we have today, yep. we can look at, look at all the thousands of different colors and take a step back and see this beautiful tapestry that God is creating through this community that we have together. Yeah. And we can't make that beautiful, colorful tapestry without unity through Christ. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah, that's good. I think, I think she said it all, right? Preach, sister. Service That's is right. over with now. Yeah. Right? Corey, anything you want to add there? What, what's the beauty of diverse groups? Um, for me, I've, I've uh, you know, I got the phone call from Reverend Hurst, yeah. you know, and he's like, Corey, you know, I need you to be at this place at this time. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yes, sir. <laughs> right. Um, and then I immediately call my wife and I'm like, hey, Mindy, uh, Reverend Hurst signed us up for this and we have to be there at this time and, and, and that, right? And that's how it, that's how it honestly started. Um, um, but it, it grew into uh, something bigger and, and better. Yeah. Um, 
we both learned a lot about ourselves. And me personally, my first thought was, you know, what do I need racial unity classes for? You know, right. and, and um, I, but running through that process, I learned a lot about myself. Um, I learned a lot about uh, a lot of different people. And, and like Michelle said here, mm -hmm. stay away from boxes, right? We, we have a lot more in common, right? That, that there are more people that are just like me who are trying to protect and provide for their families day in and day out. And, and even if we can start there with, with, with God's power in here that we can accomplish any and everything. So I think um, one thing, and, and I'll, I'll use this as a specific example here, is that um, you know, I grew up in North Carolina. So I had the benefit of, uh, of diverse teachers, principals, and things mm -hmm. like that. So black history was more than just one month. Um, it was, a, it was a celebrated all of the time in Durham, North Carolina. For some of you that don't know, were one of many uh, Black Wall Streets, right? Yeah. There were there were many of them. Tulsa wasn't just the only one, but uh, we that came up in, in some of our uh, our topics there. Right. And um, there was a doctor in our group. I won't mention her name, but she's a doctor, right? Yeah. And um, she had mentioned that she had never heard of a Black Wall Street, yeah. let alone uh, what the tragedy that happened in Tulsa. And you know she was kind of taken aback by this. She's like, I've got my doctorate degree. Do you know how many hours I've sat in class reading yes. books and I've never heard about this, right? Yep. So that, that took me, in, instead of looking and judging her or throwing her in a box, right, that made me stop and look at myself and just like, hey, you know what, Corey? Everyone else didn't have the benefit that, that you had, right? I, I took that for granted and I made an assumption that everybody knew what yeah. I knew about black history right. or, or um, wanted to, right? So, um, that made me just stop and think and just say, wow, you know, there's, there is something that I can do that I can uh, help out and, and, and uh, help continue, right? They say in our neighborhood is that, you know, the, maris the marathon doesn't stop, right? Yep. And, and uh, you mentioned it right here, John, that yep. action. We're called here for action. Yep. And that is bigger than this church even, as, as big, as beautiful as this church is, but our call to action is even bigger than that. So I'd say if you're sitting here, um, uh, if you're interested, you have any special talents, um, uh, anything else, uh, special experiences, mm -hmm. uh, anything that, that, you know, there is a group here yes. that we can find you and, and put, you, put you to work here. Absolutely. So the marathon doesn't stop. Keep running. You got it. Michelle, Corey, thank you for being awesome leaders in our community. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much for sharing. There's this common theme that you're hearing over and over and over again, and it's right out of Matthew chapter 4. When we live lives of high invitation and high challenge, I've never been so loved and I've never been so challenged and encouraged to grow. We pray that that is your experience here at Hope Elam. And so I want to leave you today with just a, a challenge, and that is to be who you are and to get really practical for a moment and touch on some of these ideas that Michelle and Corey talked about. If we are family, we're called to connect. If we're disciples, we're called to grow. If we are missionaries and servants, it's who we are. It's what we do. We serve. And in a very practical way, right now, it's time to go back to school with Jesus at Hope Elam. Every single one of us is called to live this way. Community night, men's and women's ministry, new member class. I want to challenge you. There are a lot of people out there that have the wrong idea about community night. And let me just say this. There are hundreds of people showing up from the neighborhood for community night. And they need more than our food and more than our handouts. They need you. Community night is for every single one of us to go to them, to sit down at the table, to not stand back and serve them food, is to be with them, okay? That's the challenge.
That's the challenge. Be with them. Be family. I can't emphasize it enough. Community night is for everybody. It does not matter what you look like, who you are, where you live, how much money you have. At the foot of the cross, the ground is level. It's for all of us. Amen? It's for you, okay? Community night on Wednesday night, men's ministry, women's ministry, new member class. We have a ton of people that are new to the church coming up in a couple weeks to grow. Alpha starts in a few weeks. There are dozens of new Bible studies that are starting. Small groups for men, women, and couples. It's time to grow. It's time to go back to school and finally to serve. To name a few, our food team, hospitality team, children's ministry, all of those looking for people to serve, to be a part of what God is doing in this church. It's not just about us. It's about living the kind of lives that we can have an impact on other people as well. We're called to follow Jesus, to get out of the boat, and whatever condition your life is, whatever the condition of your boat, Jesus sees through all of that this morning. It's a different kind of morning uh, here at Hope Elam, so production folks, worship folks, we're just going to skip ahead uh, to the end uh, here as well, because I know some of you are getting hungry for your brunch, okay? There was uh, a time in Jesus' day where there was an old rabbinical saying that there was no paved roads in that time, maybe, maybe in Rome, but in most of the places that Jesus and some of the other rabbis walked in ancient Palestine, it was dirty, dusty roads, and they would walk with sandals. And there was an old rabbinical blessing that the rabbis would speak over their students or the other students as they followed Jesus closely, and it was that. May you follow your rabbi so closely. May you live as his student. They would say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Would you follow him that closely? And that is my prayer and our prayer for you as followers of Jesus as a church, that people would walk in here and go, man, they're not a perfect church, and they don't have it all figured out. And they're trying to figure out how to do this racial unity thing and be a church that's, that's interracial and intergenerational and, and different socioeconomic levels. And they're trying to figure that out. But there's this one thing that it seems like this church has a heartbeat for, and it's following Jesus Christ. It's forming community around that. It's being the church. It's being family. It's following in the dust of our rabbi. And we don't get it right all the time, and, and sometimes it's difficult, and, and sometimes it's challenging. And um, Deshaun, are you out here? Deshaun, come on up. I'm up here. Um, Deshaun's becoming one of my dear friends, and um, we have very different gifts. Um, this guy can sing, uh, and he can lead worship. And uh, yeah, um, you don't want this guy doing that. Uh, and so we're thankful for that. But um, one of the things I'm thankful for is, is high invitation, high challenge kind of relationships where we can follow Jesus together. And we might be very, very different, and yet when things happen in our family, we can, we can come together, and we can be family, um, and we can be church. And uh, Deshaun's taught me a lot about uh, grief and, and hope in the midst of difficulty that all of us face that, and, and in life. And um, there's no easy way to say it, but because we're family, we wanted to share this uh, with you. Um, our dear sister, uh, Latisse uh, Parrish, as a part of our church family here, has been uh, sick and battling quite a few things for a while, and she passed away last night. And uh, Latisse was a member of our staff here at Hope Elam. She was our food coordinator, and if you've come on Wednesday nights and speaking of community night, 
Uh, forgive us if we're a little extra passionate about that today. Um, that was her pride and her joy. And there's nothing that she loved more than feeding literally thousands of people in our neighborhood and our community. I know some of you may know that already. For some of you, it might be a shock. Uh, but we wanted to share that with you because, well, we're family. And we, and we go through these things together. Pastor Hurst was with the family uh, last night. And cer- certainly we want to be holding her mom, uh, Vanetta, and the rest of their family in our prayers as well. But I was thinking about following in the dust of our rabbi. T said that in her own unique way. And what a beautiful day that it is when we can walk side by side and Tease was following Jesus and she is home now. And she is, uh, yeah, praise God. And we can, we can give God praise for that. She's home. I think all the angels are really excited because they're getting fried chicken for dinner tonight. So, um, And here's the thing. We've talked about this the last couple weeks. Christians are the only ones who can grieve with hope. We are the only ones that can, that, can, that can exist as Jesus did at the funeral of Lazarus. When Lazarus is in the tomb and, and Jesus weeps with us. So if you're hurting, if you're wondering what, what in the world is going on with death, what is this world coming to with everything that's going on? Jesus, the God of the universe, cried and he weeps with us and he feels your pain and your hurt and our sorrow as a church family this morning. And yet almost in the same breath, Jesus declares to Mary and Martha and he declares to you in our church family this morning, I am the resurrection and the life. Death is not the end of the story. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There is hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ, and that's what we cling to. And so we mourn as a family this morning, and we cling to the hope that only Jesus can give, whether it's Haiti or Afghanistan or COVID-19 or the death of a loved one. It is not the end of the story. The worst thing is never the last thing, and we will miss Tease greatly. And our world will not be the same. Our church will not be the same. But she would want us to cling to the hope of Jesus Christ this morning. The reason that we feed people, the reason that we've merged as a church, is because Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, the resurrection and the life, and we hold to that this morning. Amen? And so we hurt and we grieve, and it's okay to just feel that this morning. Some of you knew Tease really, really well. Some of you don't know her at all, but her impact is evident in this church and in our lives and our relationships. And so, Deshaun, I was just going to ask you to say a prayer for us. There's a lot of us that are grieving and hurting uh, this morning, and, and we want to pray for all of you that are online, that knew and loved Tease uh, as well. Deshaun, would you just pray for us, and then, uh, and then we'll worship together. So. Church, would you stand with Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.